Hi everyone, welcome back to the Shrunway Venture Capital Podcast. I'm Adam Bao, your host. Today we have joining us Duan Xiao, who is co-founder of Ichizuoye.com, the largest online homework platform for K-12 students in China, and in its prior round, raised $100 million USD from Junfund, H Capital, Tiger, DST, Tamasek, and of course, Shrunway Capital. Before founding Ichizuoye, Duan studied at Cambridge University, MIT, and Harvard. So Duan, welcome to the Shrunway Venture Capital Podcast. Could you please start by telling us a little bit more about your story and how you ended up at Ichizuoye? Well, hi Adam, thank you. And uh, hi everyone, it's an honor to be here. Uh, I'm Duan, um, co-founder of Ichizuoye, uh, also known as uh, Homework Together. Uh, our company has had over five years uh, history. So in the uh, growth of a human, uh, it's not even primary school age. Uh, uh, so we're very much still a startup. Uh, I uh, was born in Beijing. I was in Beijing for 16 years and then I went abroad uh, to the UK and then the US. I studied uh, electrical and information engineering. Uh, after graduation, my first job was actually with uh, UBS in London, uh, doing structured products uh, trading, uh, devising trading strategies for them based on data analytics. And then I was involved uh, briefly with the organization of the Beijing Olympic Games and that uh, had a big impact on my view of the world and in achieving or making something that is meaningful and I thought back on my life and the things that have impacted me um, and I came up with this word education which I thought had the biggest impact on me and probably will still have the biggest impact on just not just me but also people and the future of mankind um, and I came from a technology background and I think technology is going to be the one of the drivers uh, for the growth of our society and um, it can be applied to pretty much any industry uh, but applying it to education industry would be meaningful and that's why I started my first startup in London uh, in 2008 um, it was a very simple idea combining content with technology so we were among the first developers to be doing educational apps. Um, and then in 2011, came back to Beijing, where I was born, and I focused on the Chinese market and uh, co-founded Ichizuoye. Uh, so that's basically how we came to existence, and, uh, and we're, still, we're still here uh, after five and a half years, and we are very happy about that. Right, and you know, Ichizuoye is uh, an amazing company, doing very well, you raise a ton of money, and we'll get to what Ichizuoya does and your, your strategy there. But uh, just to help the audience kind of take a step back, understand education, you mentioned that's very important and valuable. Completely agree. And it's part of the reason why we're doing this, kind of sharing Chinese innovation and technology trends with the Western audience. Uh, but just help us understand education. It's a very vast sector. You know, at least in the U.S., there's those so-called massive open online courses like Coursera. There's a skills academy like Udemy. There's AR, VR applications. There's mobile apps. There's even a very different type of school uh, called old school. So, you know, looking at the Chinese market, can you tell us a little bit more about education and how it's uh, broken out? Of course, of course. So education is a, is a big word and it's also a big industry. So many ways to break it down. Um, firstly, maybe by age. So there is a preschool education from the uh, age zero to six, maybe subdivided into zero to three and then three to six. Um, there is then the K-12 education from six to 18. 
and then there's a university, perhaps a, a graduate school education as well, from 18 to say 22, 25, and then there is uh, more uh, professional adult uh, development uh, education uh, from let's say 25 upwards, uh, and perhaps there is a, a 60 and above uh, education for people who are retired. Uh, that's one way to divide it. Uh, I think the other way that you have mentioned is uh, through the delivery mechanism or the model okay. of, uh, of education. I think in this sense, there are so many models now in China uh, coming out, new models are coming out every, every year and um, using new technologies. So uh, when we started, we were purely PC-based. Uh, now we are 80% plus mobile. And we're also looking into things you mentioned like uh, VR and AR. Mm -hmm. And we are already using a lot of live broadcasting. Mm -hmm. um, and there is also obviously MOOC. Um, there are, my, my um, worldview in, in this sense is actually, I think the different models to go into the education industry are kind of like BAT. Um, so there are different worldviews. Uh, some use a very narrow uh, setting to acquire as many users as possible, like Baidu. Uh, some just go through the transactions and then acquire the users through GMV, um, like Alibaba. And then some try to build a community of, of users uh, that's very sticky, uh, like Tencent. Also, um, there is a Xiaomi or Apple kind of worldview. Um, but it's not so prevalent at the moment. I think the hardware devices like mobile PC, they're not perfect for, for learning. So I think there's an opportunity here to, uh, to make the next generation learning devices and that's kind of the Xiaomi worldview. Mm. Uh, um, and also you've mentioned there's some innovative schools uh, and that's happened in China as well, uh, combining uh, technology and education you know, in a micro school level. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there, and, and obviously there are other ways to, to break it down as well. Um, mm -hmm. Our company actually focuses on K-12, and the uh, K-12 market is already a big and, uh, and somewhat complicated market on itself. So, and if, even in that market, there are lots of different people doing different things. Some are purely to be, so there are companies who work with the government and work with the schools and get their revenue that way. Our company is primarily to see, but also working with the schools as well. So that, that makes us quite unique. Um, but uh, uh, there, there are many, many models. And I think altogether, we're trying to solve this problem of how to grow, how to educate the next generation of human beings mm -hmm. uh, because of the advancement of technology. Yeah. I, I believe that technology is going to have a, perhaps even bigger impact uh, mm -hmm. on human lives in the next, uh, let's say, decade mm -hmm. uh, or two decades and uh, lots of jobs are going to be eliminated and the new jobs are going to be created and we need people who have these skills uh, to be able to do these jobs and also people need skills to be happy mm -hmm. uh, in this next generation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we need to uh, work on our education industry now to yep. make sure we grow these kind of people yep. yeah yeah so Duan, thanks for that clearly you're very thoughtful about the entire universe of Lot of different institutions and also different delivery mechanisms that you mentioned. Uh, in terms of that, so Ichizoya, can you tell us a little bit more about how you guys fit in? So yeah. what is the product, who is involved, and how do you deliver that service? Of course, yeah. So actually, maybe I'll just come back to the last question a little bit. Mm. Uh, there's perhaps another way to 
divide the education services or companies mm. um, in the sense that I think, as I mentioned, we are all thinking about the future of education, but there are two ways to do it. One way is that you basically build a product that is uh, ideal, um, and then you apply it to the industry right now. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some of these very innovative products, like some schools, for example, uh, our school, Minerva. Um, uh, also, I guess another way is uh, to think about the future, but then to work on the present, uh, and then to make the present more and more like the future, but make it more of an evolution rather than a revolution. Uh, and for the former uh, past, there is a big trend in China as well, for example, the introduction of STEAM education, the introduction of uh, STEAM meaning science, technology, engineering, okay, okay. Uh, arts and mathematics, yep. which is a kind of cross-subject, mm -hmm. um, uh, trying to uh, train students' creativity and leadership and, and these things, problem-solving skills. Um, but for the, for, the, for the latter model, um, you need to actually work with the system. And for K-12, our, our view is um, more like the, uh, you could say, the conservative view of evolution. Uh, we think that, uh, you know, education system needs to change. The way we learn needs to be uh, upgraded, but it can only happen from the present. Uh, so we have decided to take the hard way and work with the current system. In K-12, the stakeholders are students, teachers, parents, schools, and perhaps the government as well. Yeah. So we're now working with all these, all these people. And uh, I think we're the first company in the world to have come up with a model to work with these people and produce a in-school service for free, hopefully forever. And then through this, in exchange, we get users and data. And then through this, we can then offer a premium service to the end users, the students and parents. And uh, our business model is actually uh, you know, charging the students and parents on premium services, including content and, and courses. And uh, um, I think so far it's proved to be a, a, a viable business model. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it is a very, very heavy approach um, because usually you only work with one user. Sometimes when you're dealing with a transaction type business model, uh, like Uber for example, you're dealing with uh, two people, the, the driver and the, the passenger, or in Amazon, the seller and the buyer, uh, but that's, that's it. It's very rare that you deal with more than two user groups. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but this is kind of the, the situation we're faced with. And we think with, without teachers, there's no retention. Mm -hmm. uh, without students, there's obviously no learning, and mm -hmm. no, no learning data. Mm -hmm. Without parents, it is hard to monetize. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we also want the support of the schools and the government uh, to, to make this uh, uh, transformational model scalable and stable. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's kind of what we are, we are dealing with here. So uh, more specifically, we found this um, so-called entry point uh, called homework, uh, which is uh, already some, something that uh, automatically connects the core stakeholders of this uh, market, the teachers, the students, the parents, and the schools. Uh, the teachers need initiate the homework, and then the students do the homework, and then the, the teachers and parents, they check the homework. The schools also care about what students do in the homework. Uh, we started with the English listening and speaking homework uh, back in 2011, uh, because really there was not a good way to train the students listening and speaking. You know, I, I went to the UK when I was 16, and I remember very vividly that the first morning I got up, a, a British student asked me, how are you? And I, I just said, pardon? And he said, how are you? 
said, sorry. And he said, how are you? And I said, uh, say again. And then finally understood that he was saying, how are you? And then I said, oh, fine, thank you. And you? And he couldn't understand me. And I've been studying English actually for 10 years before that. Yeah. And I was one of, considered one of the good students of English in my class. But I couldn't communicate with the language. And, and uh, there are 100 million primary school students in China who either learn English from the age of six or eight. Um, so in theory, they should be good at English. But the English teachers sometimes cannot speak English. And uh, also there's a very low teacher-student ratio. Uh, I think our average is about 100. But it's very hard for, for teachers to, to help the students with their listening, speaking, or pronunciation. Um, and there was really no way for the students to practice with pieces of paper, uh, listening and speaking English. Right. That's, that's right. how we started, yep. um, using a technology to kind of give a feedback instantaneously on the students' pronunciation. Um, we can then have the students have an input, like, uh, you know, welcome to Shunwei podcast. And then the students can repeat, and we can then uh, score the pronunciation and then give feedback to the students and the students can try again uh, and uh, you know the students are happy with this process uh, although it's not perfect uh, and the, the teachers obviously is, is much better than nothing uh, and then so it makes makes the students engaged and interested as well and so from there we then expanded to other parts or other content or other types of homework um, including mathematics uh, Chinese literature uh, now we're going to uh, junior and senior high schools with subjects like physics, chemistry, biology, geography, politics. Um, and also, uh, as I briefly mentioned, apart from homework, we now offer other things as well, like the teachers can uh, exchange materials and prepare classes, which uh, have discussions with each other. The students can then uh, do some so-called self-learning, additional learning after homework. Mm -hmm. um, the parents can also find resources and communicate with the teachers. So I think at the bottom, very bottom layer, we have a homework uh, platform. And that's kind of our main service uh, up to today. And then we have lots of other content or educational services for these three types of users um, on top of homework. Uh, and at the top level, uh, our worldview is actually most like Tencent. Uh, it's essentially a um, sticky community of uh, teachers, students, and parents who are organized by classes. And uh, it is a community between teachers and teachers, students and students, and parents and parents, but also across these uh, users. Mm -hmm. So teachers can communicate with parents, parents can communicate with their children and with each other. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Got it. Um, that's kind of the, uh, yeah, the product. Yeah, no, sound, sounds uh, very, very valuable, uh, especially in China. Thank you. Um, and in terms of your business model, you mentioned that uh, there's a kind of a freemium piece to it in the school, so this homework uh, application is free. Yeah. But uh, you said beyond that, some of the premium services is where you charge for, uh, you know, you actually monetize. So can you talk us through that a little bit? Sure, sure. So homework is a very frequent uh, behavior in China. There are 100 million primary school students, another 100 million uh, high school students, and uh, pretty much they do homework every day and pretty much in all the main subjects. Uh, so that's uh, about half an hour of homework in primary school on average, and about you know, two hours of homework on average for high school. Uh, and through this, actually, we get lots of data. And before, you know, there were lots of data anyway on pieces of paper, but they were not recorded and analyzed. 
Uh, but we actually think these data are very valuable. So in 2016, Q1 2016, uh, we had over 100 million questions solved on our platform. And in Q1 this year, we had over 12 billion. That was over 100 times wow. growth in one year. Um, so as the students solve these questions, we think that they, they grow. Uh, but also, in, from our perspective, we can now analyze this data and learn more about the students learning, the teachers teaching, and the learning objectives, and the teaching objectives. And then, so the reason these are valuable is now because uh, we have a much better understanding of the content and the pedagogy and the teaching, so we can recommend to students and parents uh, lots of things. So for example, um, there's, uh, you know, you need to learn these things in this semester, and then teachers assign some homework, um, but we have found out that uh, there are certain things that teachers have missed. Um, then we can simply recommend to students and parents these additional things that help them fit, fit in the gaps. Mm -hmm. uh, also, we may find that uh, this particular student, for example, is really struggling. That, that he's doing homework very slowly, sleeping late, and uh, not uh, mastering the materials at all. Then we, we must help the students by uh, giving giving him less challenging materials and guiding him through this course. Mm -hmm. uh, or we may find the opposite, that some students are totally, uh, you know, uh, finding this so boring, so easy. Uh, you were probably one of those students. <laughs> and uh, in this case, we must give them more challenging materials. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think one thing that we did uh, in the old education system was to use a kind of industrial revolution production model to be to treat uh, humans like standardized goods, uh, for them to then work in standardized factory positions. Um, but in fact, you know, everyone is different. And we've had this idea of uh, which is basically uh, coaching or teaching according to the student's innate mm -hmm. um, uh, traits uh, or skills uh, or, or characters um, mm -hmm. for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, we've, we've never really been able to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, properly, and yeah. I think you know technology and data—they are very good driver for this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to answer your question, our premium services are individualized uh, learning solutions mm -hmm. recommended to these uh, users. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, I see the value of that, and it sounds to me like customized learning. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, customized learning in a vacuum could make sense, but when you're applying it to as you mentioned, the existing uh, schools, mm -hmm. the, the existing structure, the, the teachers, your typical typical curriculum. Uh, how do you reconcile the customized learning with the existing, you know, standard curriculum that they have to go through? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So that, that very much ties in with our idea of whether doing the future now or, or actually applying to the present. So we started with this uh, product that's basically in, in sync with the teachers' curriculum. So we we look at the textbooks that are used by uh, teachers in schools in China and will produce content based on this textbook. But at the bottom of the content production, there's a so-called, internally we call it a GOAL, G-O-A-L system. That's kind of a vast universe of learning objectives, including knowledge, skills, uh, attitudes, uh, processes, uh, emotions, um, values, and then so-called identity. Mm -hmm. um, so these are the things that we think uh, you know, need to be learned. And uh, for knowledge, for example, uh, they are interconnected between subjects. So it's one huge map of interconnected <laughs> learning objectives. Yeah. So for example, some 
so-called knowledge points in uh, mathematics could be applicable to physics or chemistry or even Chinese as well. Um, and then whatever textbook the, the teacher is using, we first push to the teacher's uh, knowledge and skills based on the textbook. So let's uh, take, for example, English as, a, as an example. So perhaps this teacher is teaching uh, this topic, my family, today. And the, the vocabulary knowledge points in this uh, unit would be daughter, father, mother. And then we have lots of content based on these. So maybe there are some questions, like there's a picture of a, of a, of a lady, and then there are some choices, uh, brother, father, or mother. Uh, maybe there is this uh, pronunciation of father, and then a picture of a man. Um, maybe there is uh, some other types of open-ended questions, like interview your family and uh, produce an essay, or you know, do a PowerPoint, or introduce your neighbor's family, or maybe have a discussion of whether a pet is a family member. So all these content that have these tags. Um, and then initially, for the homework, um, when we started, everyone still had the same homework. But as the students were learning, we actually have a better understanding, especially in details, of the student's mastery of these things. So let's take, another, again, vocabulary for, uh, as an example. Uh, there is the, the listening, the comprehension, the spelling, the writing of this vocabulary, and then the application uh, as well. And then as the students are learning and uh, generating data for us, we can pinpoint each student's problem. We can also pinpoint the class uh, problem. Yeah. Then we can make recommendations to teachers. And through the teachers using our recommendation, the system learns again um, you know, whether our rec recommendation is useful to the teacher. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. then this evolution happens. So as the uh, teachers and students use it more and more, our system gets smarter and smarter. And it's not just a, you know, this class or students' data to be applied to this class. There's actually a lot of similarities between people learn and between you know, how teachers teach. So um, you know, a lot of the so-called experience, which are then consolidated into so-called algorithms, uh, can be applied to uh, many situations. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, so, so that's, that's basically how, how we evolved and, yep. and, and now get more and more data. Right. And also more and more materials. Yep. Uh, yep. And we cover more and more settings in, right. the, in the learning uh, to make more and more accurate uh, assessment and also learning yep. uh, recommendations. Right, right. Uh, I, I just thinking in this entire ecosystem, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, the teachers, the, the students, uh, the parents, at least to me, it seems that this service is really so straightforward for the student. They just use it and mm -hmm. it's like a kind of a more interactive, yeah. playful approach. Yeah. For, t for, for parents, it's definitely something new. It's very mm -hmm. valuable to them mm -hmm. and they're able to check in their students. For the teachers, it clearly is valuable, but it seems to me that um, the most effort needs to go into like helping them actually learn to use the product because mm -hmm. a lot of the control lies with them, the control points are with them. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the value creation, a lot of it, is effectively for them to be a better teacher. No. And a really smart friend of mine once told me that, at least in the education space, a lot of these products, uh, the value there is to help raise the baseline of teachers mm -hmm. because nothing's going to replace a really great teacher. Mm -hmm. Ideally, if you had a one-on-one -on -one yeah. excellent teacher, nothing's going to be better than that. But uh, in situations where you want to improve the baseline, that's when you bring the products and services and such. So let's focus a little bit more about the teachers and tell us a little bit more about how you onboard these teachers. How do you make sure you maximize the value of your product with these teachers? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, that, that's, again, a great question. Um, the, the teachers, we think, 
uh, pri primary need uh, for an educational or teaching product, and that's kind of their job, is actually to make them make their job easier. Yeah. Uh, so because we think teachers are already very busy, so so you know we, there are so many things we can improve uh, on teaching by combining teaching with te technology. But teachers have not really been using a lot of that before. I mean, if you go into schools, at least in Chinese K-12 schools, you, 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 you'd be quite shocked of the uh, degree of application of technology. That's not to say that they don't have the money or, um, or, or, or the, or the uh, resource to reach this technology. It's just that there's not really a good setting uh, to use them, uh, to combine them with their teaching. And, and I think the primary reason is because there is an added burden learning it and getting used to it uh, and teachers right. are already very very busy yes yeah as I was saying there was like a teacher to like 200 100 200 students they're already very busy so one thing we thought about really hard was you know whatever we do how can we then alleviate or help the teachers and um, alleviate their burden mm -hmm. to begin with mm -hmm. and luckily for us in homework uh, there is a six processes there's a teacher preparing for the homework and then assigning the homework and then the third is the students doing the homework, and then they submit the homework, and the, the teachers then mark the homework, and then they give, give feedback. Um, and in all these processes, uh, five are related to the teacher. And uh, there is something that we can do to help the teacher in all these five processes mm. uh, to make their jobs easier, especially marking the homework. Uh, that is something that on average, teachers spend something like 10 hours every week uh, to do, and it's very repetitive. You know, lots of Chinese homework questions are kind of repetitive anyway. Like there's a multiple choice question. The correct answer is C. You know, for my 100 students, uh, this guy answered B, this guy answered C, <laughs> this guy answered A. So this is kind of the teacher's job. Some teachers delegate it to the students, but still, it is a job that, you know, shouldn't really be done by humans. And uh, um, after marking the homework, the sad thing is there is uh, not really an easy way to, uh, to analyze the data before. Uh, so now we do this, you know, marking and uh, an analyze and feedback uh, almost with the click of a button. Um, there is some, as I mentioned, you know, we can also mark listening and speaking in English. Um, we now can mark essays as well. Uh, we can mark some math questions, and we are working on trying to mark pretty much all these so-called structured questions. There are questions like, uh, you know, make a PowerPoint of your family that it would be very difficult for us to mark. In that case, we want the students to discuss uh, for the teachers to make, mm, uh, make may, maybe uh, uh, also make suggestions uh, to facilitate the discussion. Um, but for some things, we think you know, the, the, the computers can mark. Uh, so this is really um, you know, one of the core uh, values of our product. And also in other, other processes of homework, uh, in preparation, the, how the content, you know, as I mentioned, we already prepare content that is in sync with the curriculum. So all the teachers have to do is to, to select. Some good teachers, um, they are motivated enough to edit and to improve on our content. And we, we uh, su uh, support uh, UGC mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and assigning the homework, submission of the homework is all kind of automated. Mm -hmm. um, and feedback is also to parents individually as well. So mm -hmm. it helps with the teacher-parent communication too. Yeah. But that's only one part of it. Um, even if we think our product is, is quite good, I mean, it's definitely w within this uh, small space of uh, homework, we think it's the best product in the world, um, it's still very hard for the teachers to just use it. Because uh, mm -hmm. I don't think that um, 
you know, it's the teacher's job to keep looking for all these uh, products in the market and then to try them. Because anyway, as I described, you know, it took me something like five minutes to, to describe our teacher's product. Mm -hmm. And it probably take them 10 minutes to experience it. I don't think it's their job to do that. Yeah. Uh, some motivated teachers, maybe, yeah. but most teachers, no. So we actually have this team of uh, what we call offline operations, uh, or you can consider them as teacher trainers uh, who are based um, locally. So now we have something like 500 uh, all over the country uh, in something like 100 cities um, who train these teachers. So they basically go to the schools and then they tell the teachers like, a little bit like sales, but uh, they, they don't sell anything because it's for free. So they just uh, explain to the teachers Sometimes they hold a meeting of the teachers and then say, you know, well, what are the problems you face in, in teaching in homework? And, uh, you know, how we help you alleviate your burden and also improve our teaching. Um, how, how we make the students more engaged and interested, make the learning more efficient and individualized, how we make teaching easier, things like that. Uh, and it's not just a one-time process. Uh, you know, operations meaning it is a continual process. So when we have an update, major update in our product, they'll go again and explain. So for example, right. now we have a teacher's forum, you can talk to each other, you can share ideas with each other, you can you can even talk about your holiday plans. Um, and maybe now there is a better teacher-parent communication tool, you can do a survey, um, and the, the parents can respond to, uh, for example, if you want to know, um, let's say we want to uh, build a library, you know, what kind of books the parents want, for their kids to be in the library, um, then you can do a survey, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, yeah. And then the teachers are constantly in touch with us. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, I think education itself is a service. Yeah. And um, it's not just a product or just the content. Right. right. Yeah. And uh, this uh, approach of uh, serving the teachers uh, also, I think, is uh, one of the reasons why the teachers keep using us. Right. Got it. So, yeah, that makes a lot of points. Again, you have control control points across the board. So great experience for the, the parents and the students themselves. I've seen some reviews, very positive. The hardest part is getting the, the teachers on board. So you're doing that uh, by the approach that you mentioned. You, you also seem to have good government support and maybe we'll get into that a little bit separately. So my question here is that you've applied this innovative model to the existing traditional system, the evolutionary approach that you mentioned. Uh, so do you think that you can kind of eventually separate that out and be, create a separate, more disruptive model on its own. Because, you know, at a certain place, maybe you can just separate out the different parts. People are using this as clearly a better solution for teaching. Then couldn't you just create a separate curriculum and separate school altogether mm -hmm. and you use there? Yeah, well, um, I think there is a possibility of doing that for after school. So where the, the student's time is kind of uh, free. Uh, but for most of the uh, K-12 students, uh, at least in China, they spend time in school. So they, they get up at, let's say, 7, they go to school at 8, and they finish school you know, in primary school at uh, 1500s, so 3 o'clock. Uh, in uh, junior high school, maybe 5 o'clock. In senior high school, grade 1 and 2, maybe uh, 7 o'clock. And grade 3, which is the university entrance exam grade, maybe 12 o'clock. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those but, are rough. but they spend a lot of time in school. Yeah. Uh, and they spend a lot of, lot of time, even after school, based on the teacher's instruction. So homework is one of those uh, assignments, one of the instructions. So uh, in order to um, build anything for the students to learn, we think that um, 
and we need to work with the schools and teachers. And I think if we were to build something completely um, outside the system, perhaps the content could be better, uh, purely from a learning perspective. Uh, but it would be very difficult for the teachers to use it because the textbook they're using are not the same as the content we're building. And uh, the, 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 you know, we, we can obviously make a link. Um, and, uh, um, but I, I think it would be quite, quite difficult for the schools and teachers to adopt it straight away. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's kind of what we are doing also uh, through evolutionary approach. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's the, the, even if the teacher is using this textbook, he or she may find uh, things on other textbooks or even other non-textbooks yeah. uh, interesting. Okay. So hey, so for from what I'm hearing, it never you never say no. So it maybe maybe it'll happen in the future, but it seems more practical right now to work with the existing uh, existing system. Well, that's kind of my understanding of uh, education. Yeah. It is uh, you know in China the first uh, educational entrepreneurs, I think is Confucius, uh, over two thousand years ago. Yeah. Uh, who's had something like three thousand students, but his ideas are still very impactful, at least in China. Uh, I guess in the U.S. as well, mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of the uh, idea of education: is to pass on last generations of wisdom to next generation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there will be some wisdom that will be kind of uh, outdated. You know, mm -hmm. some would even be wrong uh, as the society or as humans grow. But there must be some mm -hmm. that, that that are right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the schools and teachers they don't just act as a uh, you know, learning agent, teaching agent, um, but they also you can consider the education system like kind of like a mini society. Uh, it's a reflection of the values and, and the things that we work for in the society as well. And you can see pretty much everything happening in the society happening in schools, and uh, the schools is a community uh, for for the for the for the students and teachers to interact. It is a kind of an uh, environment. Uh, or you can say authoritative environment even in China uh, mm -hmm. for the students to learn. <laughs> um, and I, I think these are quite crucial. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just about knowledge acquisition. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so, okay. so, so that's, that's, that's kind of our, what the rationale be, behind our uh, evolutionary approach. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, and we'll, we'll stick with that until one day that I think there is a possibility to uh, replace the teachers or the schools uh, which I don't think will happen in the next 20 years. Okay. But okay. I think even with the advancement of AI, teachers will be one of those last jobs to replace. Right. Uh, right. Because once again, it's a service. Right. And right. Um, there's a human touch to the service. Yeah. And uh, we consider our role at the moment more of an assistant coach. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is a, in anything, uh, let's say tennis, uh, there's a coach who teaches you how to serve, you know, how to hit a backhand. Mm -hmm. but there's also an assistant co coach who then uh, practices with you mm -hmm. and uh, uh, tries to coach you when you are not doing things so well, uh, tries to encourage you, uh, you know, when, when you're down and tries to maybe manage your expectation when you're too, uh, too cocky. Uh, so that's kind of the role of the assistant coach who spends more time mm -hmm. than the coach. Uh, right, right. Um, but I think the coach is still essential. Uh, okay, yeah. okay. So, um, one more ask of wisdom and coaching from you. <laughs> so, <laughs> because this podcast is very much about bringing Chinese innovation with, uh, to the West mm -hmm. and to you know the rest of the world, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, how you see the Chinese market 
uh, versus others, uh, and the variances when it comes to business models, uh, technology development, and how we can learn from each other. Well, I think we can learn from each other a lot. Uh, in, in terms of the things we learn, um, I think we have slightly different approach. Uh, in China, because there is a, in kickoff, there is a big university entrance exam. That's kind of the, uh, the way to change a student's or even a family's destiny. So uh, students take learning very seriously. And I think we place more emphasis on how students master a knowledge point or concepts. And uh, uh, it needs to be changed to some extent, uh, but it's not completely um, useless. Uh, there are things like uh, mathematics, for example, that I think the Chinese are doing quite well, um, trying to uh, get the students fluent uh, in uh, learning a mathematical concept and applying it. Um, and there, there are things that I think the US is doing very well. For example, uh, you know, communication skills, leadership skills, critical thinking. Uh, I think these, these, these um, traits are essential uh, for the next generation of, of people. Um, in terms of the companies uh, that work um, on the education industry, one of my beliefs is that content and technology is the core uh, of education. And I, I think, um, in this sense, U.S. companies are more advanced. Uh, they spend more time, more efforts on very good quality content, and uh, you know, get getting experts from all kinds of fields in history, uh, developmental psychology, and obviously subject experts to produce you know one piece of content that perhaps can only be used for ten minutes, uh, but this ten minutes will influence so many students' lives in the future, so they take it very seriously, and I. I intellectual property I think is uh, better protected uh, in the US as well uh, so that's something that we're really excited with because before uh, your education is very related to when and where you were born now with technology you can really travel through space-time and uh, get an education anywhere um, you know uh, for anything you, you can basically have the best content from all over the world wherever you are whenever you want um, and that's something that definitely learn from US companies, importing some, some great content um, uh, to be applied uh, in our platform. Uh, another thing is technology. Uh, so you know, we're now working on a range of technologies to, for example, recognize students' handwriting and automatically transfer them to a language that the computers can understand, then to mark or to give feedback on these things. Uh, we're working on a chatbot to have a conversation with our students rather than just uh, correcting their pronunciation. We're working on something called TTS, which is uh, generating text-to-speech, generating speech from text. So we don't have to have people record all these things. We're trying to have uh, a robot also to help us translate, um, to help the students understand and also generate questions for us. Uh, one of our robots uh, took part in the mathematics university entrance exam this year and got 105 out of 150. Um, so those questions that are too difficult linguistically um, that the computers couldn't understand. So actually this computer particularly failed in Chinese uh, in a math test. Uh, mm -hmm. But for the math questions, computers were actually doing quite well. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, there are many things we're working on. And I think in this sense also, um, the development of uh, uh, big data 
of deep learning and of artificial intelligence and I think in particular in the US is uh, more advanced as well and um, there is a very bright future of application of these technologies in China mm -hmm. um, so okay. I think there's also a lot of things we can learn from each other there and I think uh, yeah. US companies tend to be more focused uh, in these areas and if I'm a content provider then I make very good content and we are working with uh, Kind of provider in the U.S., for example, that specialize in picture books for 20 years, um, and they their picture books level of reading is, is really good. And all the graphics and content and the pedagogy uh, are, are really good. And uh, there are some technology companies that uh, really specialize in uh, particular kinds of technology, um, and uh, they can build a great business just by doing this model, uh, selling it to other businesses. I think in China, companies tend to be more diverse uh, because there's a big market. So we want to do a lot of things and reach a lot yeah. of users. Yeah. Uh, and, and we then may not be as specialized in a particular area. Mm. Uh, and I think we can work with each other yeah. um, to get the best from both sides. Okay. All right. Duen, thanks for that. You know, clearly, there's a lot of potential for knowledge sharing between uh, East and West. Uh, and you know, again, congratulations on the successful company that you built. It, uh, it's a very innovative business model. Uh, and also it's very uh, admirable that you're basically you know applying your efforts towards building something that's valuable for other people based on your personal beliefs about education and, and its value so uh, thanks for your time doing well thank you very much thank you Adam. okay cheers guys cheers